Christian is someone who believes in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can have hope in the resurrection because it's permanently etched in history. The year 2022 is that very number because of the resurrection. We live in AD 2022 because of the resurrection. If that hadn't happened, he would have just been another historical prophet, just another person we honor and applaud. Yay, he was a good guy, but this guy did something significant. The tomb was empty, no one could find the body, and then here comes the testimonies of appearances of the risen Savior for 40 days he appeared. On one occasion, up to 500 people. His enemies made sure there was no fake resurrection because he had predicted his resurrection, so they took great precautions that no one could steal that body and pretend that the resurrection had happened. It's like they had yellow tape around the crime scene so no one would cross it. His followers were scaredy cats. They denied they even knew him. They were so afraid, they wouldn't dare attempt something like that. They were fearing for their own lives. When this resurrection happened, they became bold witnesses to the living Savior, to the point they endured torture, loss, and death, and not one of them recanted. Something happened. His family got on board. When your family gets on board, that's significant. You know, we're in an election year, and we're seeing an unprecedented amount of family members denouncing their siblings who are running for office. <laughs> they don't believe in them. They just, you know, they remember the falls. They could, you know, he couldn't be a dog catcher. You know, those kind of things. If you dig for it, you can watch it. But his family got on board, and they too faced um, loss and even death. His brother James, who wrote one of the books of the New Testament, became leader of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown off the temple, landed on his knees saying, my brother is God. Something happened. And so for 2,000 years, lives have, lives have been changed when God gives them the ability to believe this story, this is what makes us a Christian. And so Christians face death without fear because Christ is the risen Savior and he's given us a promise that one day death's going to be under our feet. We see it under his feet, but one day it's going to be under our feet. And when that day comes, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Our ultimate destination is heaven. What is heaven? Is it uh, clouds where fat babies who are naked play little golden harps? That's not the biblical picture. Is it where we become angels? No, that's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is we live eternally with our Savior and we've got stuff to do. So the creator from heaven made the earth perfect. The Garden of Eden was like paradise. And that, to me, is a picture of what heaven will be like. The temple, as the children of Abraham learned how to worship God, they implemented an institution called the temple. That in itself, as a pattern, is a picture of what heaven is like. We have in the Bible a book called Revelation, 
And there's some strange things in that book. But in that book, we see glimpses of heaven. The last two chapters have some excerpts I'd like to read to you. John, who was the only one of the 12 disciples to die a natural death, even though they tried to kill him, torture him, he still did not recant his faith in the resurrection. He has this vision of heaven. He says, um, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So in that sense, the word heaven replies to the atmosphere, uh, um, refers to the atmosphere or the sky around the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no more sea. As we're going to see, there's rivers, uh, but no oceans. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That's a dwelling place. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more sorrow, no more death, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne, which is in the center of this new Jerusalem, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he goes on and just gives, gives some amazing descriptions of jewels that are translucent and dimensions that are mind-blowing of this new planet. The father of our faith is a man named Abraham who was promised a land and promised a seed that would bless the world. The land he was promised is the land we know of is Israel. And the dimensions given to Israel are huge. It's from the Nile River all the way to the Euphrates. It's, it's that whole Middle Eastern area south of Persia. And it said, your descendants will have all this. Well, if you look at Abraham's eight children, Isaac, of course, is the one through whom the blessing would come, the Messiah, Jesus. Ishmael, through whom the Arabs have come. And Keturah, his second wife. He had Ishmael from his wife's servant, that was a big oops in his part. So what I love about the Bible, it does not hide the flaws of its heroes. It tells it like it is. Not to be our example, but to be our insample, what not to do. So he had a son Ishmael from uh, Hagar, son Isaac from the miraculous birth through an old woman named Sarah, his wife. And then when she passed, he married a woman named Keturah and they had six sons. Their descendants are inhabiting everything he was promised. Hebrews 11 says that here we have no continuing city, but he, Abraham, was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. The earthly cities have problems, don't they? You've got environmental problems. You've got crime problems. You've got people problems. You've got economic problems. You've got social problems. You've got family problems. You've got all sorts of problems. Our cities are loaded with cities, sometimes loaded with problems. Sometimes you just want to move out in the country and live by yourself, but that doesn't work. Eventually, you have to go to a city. But we are looking forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. The new Jerusalem, the new earth, what we commonly call heaven. So are you prepared to go to heaven is the question. What do you think about the Lord? 
Why did he die? Well, the curse of sin, the balance of justice is somebody has to pay. Um, this guy that killed all these people in Florida and now has been given a life sentence, a lot of people are very upset about that, especially the family members. It seems so unjust. And yet, if he was wiped out, would that be justice? We can argue about that for years. I'm not saying one way or the other. It's just justice is so hard to pay for. And then there's such loss. And so God in his immaculate wisdom created a way to deal with the sin problem that would break our hearts and make us want to live a righteous life. He sent his son. And it was a setup. Because his son was going to declare who he was, but in the Torah that he gave Moses was this command that it would be a crime for blasphemy, leading to capital punishment. If a person blasphemes, they've got to be wiped out. That was under the old covenant law. So here comes Jesus saying he's the son of God, which is blasphemy unless he is the son of God unless he's telling the truth and not lying. He's saying, I'm the only way to the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the Savior of the world. Which we know is true. But if you don't know that is true, it appears that he's blaspheming. Well, God allowed that to take place so that unbelief would cause those wanting to keep the commands of Moses to want to put him to death. It was like a, a paradox like you couldn't believe. But God did it in such a way to break the hearts of his people. So powerful was the resurrection story after he died that unjust death that a great number of the priests became believers. And for the next 40 years... Until the temple was destroyed, Christ predicted the temple would be destroyed where he was, you know, declared to not be who he said he was. For the next 40 years, these things happened. They locked the temple doors every night and every morning they'd be wide open. Nobody knew why. For 40 years, they had problems with one of the, one of the lamps on the seven branch menorah. Wouldn't stay lit. Problems. So that was a regular occurrence. And then an annual occurrence was at Yom Kippur. We just had Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement, where you sacrifice a goat for the sins of the people. And then you lay hands on a second goat and pronounce the sins of the people upon him. And he would be led out of the wilderness to die alone in place of the people. This was a substitute for the people. A scarlet cord, for some reason, would be tied around his horn, one of his horns. And before leaving him, they would cut the cord and take the part of the cord they had cut off back to the temple and tie it to the temple door. These things you can find in the Talmud, which is about 15,000 pages. <laughs> Makes uh, my 1,000-page Bible look kind of small. They would tie the scarlet cord to the temple door, and I'm not sure of the time period... But for 40 years, every year, that cord did not turn white. 
When it turned white, it was a sign that their sins were atoned for. Another sign they looked to for uh, a sign that they'd been redeemed from their sin for that year is the priest would reach his hand in a bag where there were two objects. And he would grab the two objects, one in each hand. And they must have been the same shape, same feel, same everything except the color. And when he would pull his hands out, if the right object was in the right hand, they knew their sins were atoned for. For 40 years, the priest pulled out the wrong item. It was in the wrong hand. So for 40 years, they had no sign that their sins were atoned for. And then 70 AD happened. That was the end of the 40 years. The temple was destroyed. Today, it's the Dome of the Rock. There's actually six mosques up there. There's two you can see visibly, and then others are plazas or technically mosques. So another religion is preventing the rebuilding of the temple right now. So the question we have, 70 AD was the fulfillment of Christ's prophecy that the temple would be destroyed, and these things happened for 40 years. Well, what happened in 30 AD? Do the math. 70 minus 40 equals 30. What happened in 30 AD? The Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, was slain and buried and risen from the dead, fulfilling the purpose of the temple. You know, when you leave your house, you turn the lights out, right? Normally. God was giving them a sign pointing to the Savior. So you have these proofs that something happened in 30 AD, and it points to the resurrection of Jesus. So I challenge you to open your heart to the Lord and just say, Lord, if you're real, give me saving faith. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that faith is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the hope of heaven and faith in the resurrection that you give, that we can face the day of our passing without fear. In Jesus' name, amen.